Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. Well, hello. It's great to be with you and uh, to be here with my friends Preston and Lisa. And they... Preston, really, no joke, he has been asking me for a long time to come here, and I've been wanting to come here, and it just, it hasn't worked out until now, but what a great time to be here. Uh, The weather's beautiful, and uh, that's why I didn't come earlier in the year, honestly. Uh, I was waiting for really great weather, and you guys did not disappoint. This is a beautiful, beautiful place. It's The problem with places like this is when outsiders come to Denver at times of the year like this, we want to move here, (laughs) you know, because uh, so I I landed yesterday and when I walked out of the airport, I'm thinking to myself, why do I not live in this beautiful part of the country? And uh, which is probably how some of you guys got here because you came here to visit and you're like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. Uh, Let me just say uh, how much I love and appreciate uh, your pastors, Preston and Lisa. I mean, you guys, I... I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you and your family and the, the step of faith that you guys took when you came here. And uh, these are incredible people. And I'm going to tell you, just kind of affirm to you what you already know, and that is you have incredible leaders, incredible pastors. And uh, I know they're a huge blessing to you, and they're a, they're a huge blessing to me. So thank you again for allowing me to come be with you guys. And, and I want you to know that when I travel around the country with Preston, because we get to go a lot of places together, and it's a lot of fun, and we get to work together, and especially on college campuses around the country. And um, every time I'm with him, uh, he won't shut up about you, which is, it's kind of annoying, but it's really good. It's to, to be here and see you. Like he talks about you guys all the time and he tells me how great you are and what an awesome church this is. And um, I got to hang out with some uh, of people from the church last night and this afternoon. And I can say that you haven't lied. And uh, so the thing about Preston is that he will not lead you astray. He told me the people here are awesome and you are. And then he's taken me to some great restaurants, and he's told me exactly what to order. And in those situations, you also have not led me astray. So thank you. So I have been very, very impressed with everything uh, since I've been here. Um, I, I want to extend a welcome to you on behalf of my family. My family doesn't get to travel with me that often, but I brought a picture of them. And so that's them and um, my wife, Lynette, my daughter, Brianna, and my son, Brant. And they're, they're at home right now. And uh, I'll always... I always want to welcome you on their behalf because um, they want to be with me sometimes and can't, but they're, they're awesome, and it's because of them that I can go and do stuff like this. And um, actually, my, my 14-year-old daughter, Brianna, when she was like, I don't know, seven or eight years old, uh, Zach, where you at? Zach Wilkinson came to my house in Texas when I lived there, and, and, um, and we put him up in her bed for the night, and he's like 6'4", and the, the, her bed is like 5'8". And so, um, poor guy, he, he humored us, but I'm sure his feet were hanging way off the end of the bed. And uh, so, uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome. But my kids are growing up, and, and they are super fun. And uh, some of the things I'm going to talk to you about tonight really are issues that my family has dealt with, that I'm sure your family uh, has dealt with over time, too, that have really been emphasized by my relationship with my kids. And, and so I'll explain that a little bit as we go on. But the thing that I want to talk to you about tonight that I really feel like the Lord has put on my heart 
for this particular community at this particular time is something that I have been dealing with in my life over the last few years. It's, a, it's an issue that um, has, has become very real to me, very important to me. It's something that I have struggled with in a really um, intimate and, and powerful way. And so you guys have been in a series the last few weeks called the struggle is real, right? And so you've been talking about different struggles that you face. I want to talk to you about another struggle tonight that is is very, very real. And, and like I said, it's something that my family has been going through. So uh, a few years ago, my family and I, uh, we were in the Dallas, Texas area, which is where Preston and Lisa and I uh, connected. And we were at the same church there. And I was, I was pastoring at a church there and uh, teaching at a school and and we were living our lives and loving life, by the way. We love the Dallas area. And uh, we loved our friends. We loved our home. We loved our community. We loved our church. My kids loved their school and they loved their friends. And we loved everything about being there other than um, about a month and a half to two months during the summer when it felt like you had fallen into the third ring of hell because it was so incredibly hot. But other than that, we loved our, our time there. And, you know, um, we're, we're just going, uh, minding our own business, living our life, doing exactly what we felt like God had, had put in our hearts to do and what God had assigned us to do. And in 2014, the, the very end of 2014, um, I, I was just minding my own business one day, and all of a sudden, I started to feel this feeling that I can't really communicate to you. I, I, can't, I can't put a finger on exactly when it happened or exactly what it felt like, but it was this feeling that God said something to me deep down in my spirit. And again, it's hard to define exactly what that feels like, but that God was communicating to me that he was getting ready to do something different in our lives. That's really vague and ambiguous, but I don't know if you've ever been at a place like that where you just had this feeling in your gut that something about your life was getting ready to change. And so I didn't know what it was, and so I began to pray, Lord, what are you doing? What is this feeling I'm feeling? What are you doing in my life? And, and I felt like the Lord began to speak to me and say, I'm getting ready to, to move you and your family to a different place. Not a different position in the same organization. Uh, not a different part of the community. You're going to sell this house and move over here to this house in a different neighborhood. It was, it was, I could tell it was bigger than that. It was, I'm getting ready to move you to a whole different thing. And my first response to that was, no. Um, anybody ever been there where you felt like things were changing, but you didn't like it? You, you, you've like felt things in your life moving this direction and you're like, no, that's not, that's no, we don't want to go there because I like this over here. And that's where my family was. We like this over here. Like I said, we, we liked our community and our house and our school and our church and our friends and all of these things. And so when I felt this thing in my life, like God was saying, I'm, I'm getting ready to move you and change some things in your life. I, I really began to push back on the Lord and say, Lord, I, I, don't, I, I don't think you understand. Like, let's have a conversation about this. And uh, here's what I, what I have found about serving the Lord in, in lots of years of serving the Lord is the Lord is always open to conversation. It doesn't mean he's going to change his mind on what he's going to do, but he's always open to having a conversation with you about it. 
And so I said, Lord, let's have a conversation about this thing that you're doing in our life and this, this change that I feel like is coming. And over time, I really felt the Lord strongly saying to me, John, this, this thing is happening. I, I am requiring you to do something else that will require you to move somewhere else and, and, and do something different with your life. And uh, I talked to my wife about it. And though, she, though that feeling resonated with her, she said, yeah, I kind of I feel that too. Both of us had the same response, and that was, we don't want to do it because we really love our life where we're at. Over uh, the next few months of struggling with the Lord over this, and I mean really struggling with the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been there where you've um, kind of been in a wrestling match with God over something, like God's saying one thing and, and you're saying, no, oh, Lord, that, I don't want to do that. That's kind of where we were. Which, which is really futile <laughs> because God, um, if you believe in God the way that I do, you know God's going to win a wrestling match. Um, but he lets us wrestle nonetheless. And so we were wrestling with the Lord. And eventually we came to the realization that God was indeed calling us to do something else with our lives. And um, so w- when I finally got to the place where I said, okay, Lord, I, I'm with you. I think that you're calling us to do some, something else and move somewhere else. Um, and my wife and I both agreed on that. Um, the very next step was we set up some parameters. Okay, God, we're going to say yes to you on this. But um, here's if we're going to move, here's where we would like to go. And here's what we would like to do. Because I didn't feel like the Lord was telling me where he was going to lead us. He was just saying, okay, I've released you from this place and I want you to do this. And... Um, what I've discovered is that God knows so much better than we do about what's next in our lives. So my wife and I investigated opportunities. We made a plan. We, we were going to move to California, Southern California. And uh, we had things lined up. And uh, we were actually talking to a church there. We were going to go pastor a church in Southern California. It was going to be awesome. Um, just about five minutes from the beach. And uh, I felt like, how could this not be God's will for my life, right? <laughs> Have you ever been there? You're like, this, is, this sounds really awesome. I mean, five minutes from the beach, great church, great place. Um, surely, certainly this is God's will. And... In a time of prayer, began to feel like God was just kind of asking me to tap the brakes a little bit. And God was calling me back again to say, okay, let's have another conversation about this. To make a a very long story short, God redirected our path and we ended up in Springfield, Missouri, which is not Dallas, Texas and is not Southern California, um, in case you're wondering. Um, If you've ever been there, you know it is very much not either one of those places and uh, there's no beach anywhere close. As a matter of fact, it's hard to get any place in America farther away from a beach than Missouri because you're right in the middle of the country. And um, so it's not that it's a terrible place. It's just that it's not where we had planned to end up. And quite honestly, is not a place that we desire to go. Um, it's one of those moments in our lives where 
we, we really had to lay down what we wanted to do what God wanted. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that. Um, something tells me you probably have. Been in a place where God has asked you to do something um, that was difficult. And the question that that raises for me, the struggle that it creates for us, um, is the question that's on the screen, which is, um, number one, uh, would God ask, actually ask me to do something that I don't want to do? And then number two, if he, if he does, how, how am I going to respond to that? So would God actually ask me to do something that I don't want to do, that I don't desire to do? Well, a lot of people in the room, you, you, especially if you're a believer, and maybe you've been a believer in Jesus for a long time, your response to that is, well, of course God would ask you to do something that you don't want to do. I mean, he's God, he can do whatever he wants. And yet, how do you respond when God really asks you to do something you don't want to do? Something that runs counter to what your dream is for your life and what your vision is for your life and what your passion is for, for your life. Will God ever ask you to do something that you don't want to do? And the answer to that obviously is yes. He will sometimes ask you to do things that you don't want to do. Why would he do something like that? Why would he ask you to do something that you're not passionate about? Or why would he ask you to do something that's not important to you or something that you don't want to do? And, and I think that the answer to that is this, that he would ask you to do something that you don't want to do because he knows that what's on the other side of that obedience is better for you than where you're at right now. It's not only better for you, it's better for other people as well. Whatever is on the other side of your taking a step of obedience to the Lord is better than where you are at right now. So one of the things that we struggle with is disobeying God or not wanting to obey God. And so I thought I'd explore just uh, three or four of the reasons why sometimes we don't obey God. So you can put those up on the screen. Why is it that we don't obey God? Here's some of the reasons. Um, one of the first reasons is ignorance. So you can't obey what you don't know, right? So there's a lot of people who don't live their lives in obedience to the things that God wants them to do because they simply don't know what God wants them to do. If you haven't grown up in an atmosphere or an environment where uh, you've grown up kind of understanding uh, what God's general will is as it's expressed in, in the Bible, then you may not know what God uh, is requiring of us and what God wants us to do. So some of us are walking in ignorance. And uh, one of the things that's interesting about coming to church at a time like this is um, every time we come into a gathering of believers like this, we walk out less ignorant than we were when we came in. We're, we're learning things uh, about how God wants us to live our lives. So some of us don't obey God out of ignorance. Some of us don't obey God out of fear. So what kind of fear is involved in uh, what sometimes when God asks us to do things that are, that are uncomfortable? Well, in my life, I live in a very comfortable place. You're, you're comfortable with your life. You're in a rhythm of doing things that are comfortable to you. That's how I was when we were living our life in Dallas. We were just super comfortable. And when God began to move on us to do something different, there was fear involved because I didn't know what was coming next. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times I will take the, the, I will take the known over the unknown any day of the week. 
because what's unknown is scary. I don't want to do that. So one of the reasons we don't obey God is because of fear. Another reason we don't obey God is because of doubt. There's a lot of people who live their life with this general principle of doubt where they feel like, um, now all of us have certain doubts about life and about God and about faith, and that's fine. But there's some of us that live our lives with kind of an overarching principle of doubt. Like, like that uh, doubt is a badge of honor for us. Well, you know, I don't really believe. And here's the deal. A lot of us doubt so much that it becomes kind of a crutch for us that, that excuses us from commitment to the Lord. So that anytime the Lord tells us to do something, anytime his spirit whispers something in our heart about doing something to follow him, we, we kind of have this attitude of doubt. Well, I don't know if that's really God, so I probably can't obey. So a lot of times we don't obey God because of doubt. And then a lot of times we don't obey God because of a general feeling of autonomy. This is a feeling that I want to be in control of my life. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Okay, so one of the things that I found out really quickly as soon as I had kids, anybody in the room who has kids has, has understood this very clearly. Um, kids don't always like to be told what to do. So from a very young age, um, my, my daughter told me all the time, you're not the boss of me. I don't know if that's unique to her or if your kids or other kids that you know have said that. Or maybe as an adult, you've said that, you know, when somebody's told you, you're not the boss of me. Um, a lot of times we, we don't obey God out of autonomy, this sense that I don't want people telling me what to do, even if that person is God. I want to do what I want to do with my life. To be honest with you, three or four years ago, that's where I was in Dallas. I, I didn't want God changing things on me. I, I didn't want him to do something different to mess with me and mess up my life because I liked where I was. But all of these are ways that we dig in our heels against what God wants for us. They're ways that we make excuses so that we don't have to follow God. And the real struggle that all of us have to face is this next question. And that is, who gets the final say in my life? Who gets the final say in your life? Who gets to call the shots in your world? That's the question for today. In Mark chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to put it on the screen. If you have a Bible uh, on your phone or whatever, you can open it up. And, and we're going to read a story, and it's a few verses long. It's actually 20 verses long, so I want you to hang with me because it's a pretty lengthy passage of Scripture. But it's a really interesting story that will help us, I think, to unpack how we respond when God asks us to do certain things, okay? So Mark chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus is in a boat with his disciples, and they were just on the Sea of Galilee, and they're going from one side of the sea to the other side of the sea. And it's not really a sea, it's actually a lake, but it's a huge lake. And uh, there's storms that blow in on this lake and create all kinds of problems. In the previous chapter, in Mark chapter 4, we see that Jesus and his disciples get caught in a storm on the lake. And Jesus is actually sleeping in the boat, and this storm threatens to just take the boat under and just drown them all. And, and Jesus was sleeping away, like uh, sleeping like a baby. And so they, the disciples go and they wake Jesus up. And they say, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Like this boat is getting ready to go down. And so Jesus gets up and he makes one of these statements that kind of um, is a pretty iconic statement in his ministry as we hear in the Gospels. And, and his statement is, he stands up and in the face of the storm, he says, peace be still. And the Bible says 
that the disciples were amazed and they said, even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves, even nature obeys Jesus. Coming right off the heels of that, this is what it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. What we find is that the guy was demon-possessed. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when they saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before Jesus. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to the, the demon-possessed man, come out of the man. Jesus was saying to the demons, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. The guy had many demons inside of him. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged Jesus, saying, uh, the, de the demons begged Jesus, saying, send us into the pigs. It's, it's kind of a weird story, right? The demons are scared of Jesus, and they don't want to be sent, like, into the netherworld. <laughs> so they begged Jesus, send us into the demons. Let us enter the, or, or send us into the pigs. Let us enter them. Verse 13 says, so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You see, why would they be afraid? The guy's finally sitting there in his right mind. I think they were afraid by the power displayed by Jesus. Because Jesus, in a word of casting the demons out, showed that he had more power than all the chains that they had tried to use to bind the man and all the methods that they had used to deliver this man. And in a moment, Jesus delivered him, and it freaked them out. So those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They wanted him gone because he was freaking them out because he was so powerful. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with Jesus. But Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis, that's a, a region of 10 cities in that area, how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. There's a lot could be said about this demon-possessed guy and Jesus casting out the demons. I, I'm not going to spend time there. I, I want to jump to the end of the story. Jesus shows up in this area and he delivers a guy who is demon-possessed, a guy that nobody else could help. They couldn't, they couldn't hold him in a prison. They couldn't find chains that would hold him down. He was wild and crazy and he was hurting people and he was cutting himself and he was doing all kinds of weird stuff. And Jesus shows up and he delivers this guy. He casts the demons out and now this guy is sitting there clothed and in his right mind. The end of the story, 
They told Jesus, you got to get out of here. You got to leave. You're freaking us out. Jesus and the disciples go get in the boat to leave. Demon-possessed man comes to Jesus and says, hey, I want to go with you. Jesus, you just delivered me. Jesus, you just changed my life. Jesus, I want to go be with you more. Jesus says no. Kind of a, it's kind of an odd thing. Um, it, in my mind, kind of 21st century mind, here's what I would think. If that happened today, here's, some, here's kind of the way that story might have played out. Guy is known throughout the re- region as being wild and crazy and demon-possessed. Jesus shows up, casts the demons out, and his life is totally changed and transformed by the power of God. That's a great thing, right? All of us would say, yeah, that's, that's a great thing. And then you can almost see it in your mind what would happen from there. Jesus takes this guy who used to be demon-possessed but is now set free and in his right mind, and they hit the road together telling people about the power of God. And everywhere they would go, Jesus could have brought this guy up on a stage and said, let me tell you the story about Jim. Yeah, I don't know what his name was, but let me tell you the story about Jim. Jim was wild and crazy. He was full of a legion of demons. He was hurting himself and hurting other people. He was wild and crazy, and people couldn't even uh, hold him down with chains or keep him in a prison. He was, he was nuts. He was tormenting the town, tormenting the city. He used to go around with no clothes on and sit in the, among the tombs and among the graves. And, but I showed up, cast the demons out, and now his life has been changed, transformed. He's set free by the power of God, and, and his whole life is different now. Jim, come up and tell the people about what God has done for you. And Jim could stand up on this stage and he could preach and tell the people about how his life has been changed and transformed. And I could just see that that would be such a great thing. By by his testimony, many other people could come to know Jesus that way. And it almost seems like that's what he was wanting to do, you know? Like, Jesus, let me go with you. You've changed my life. Let's go hit the road together, you know, and and tell people the story of my, my transformation and redemption and my deliverance from demons. And Jesus says, no, stay here. But it it uses an interesting word in the Bible. It says that this guy who was formerly demon-possessed begged Jesus, didn't just ask him, begged him, pleaded with him, Jesus, please let me go with you. And I can imagine probably what was going on in his mind is he was thinking, I don't want to stay here. The, The people in this region know me. I've tormented them for years. I'm the guy who's run around naked here, wild and crazy. Like, it's a shameful thing. I'm embarrassed. They, they, when they see my face, they hide their kids. They hide their wives. Everybody goes into their homes because they're scared of me. I'm, I torment this entire region. I don't want to stay here. There's nothing for me here. They, these people hate me. They're, they're frightened of me. And Jesus says, stay here, go home, and tell your friends and family what I've done for you. This guy's known Jesus for five minutes. And he's already in a situation where he has to make a decision. Do I do what I want, which is get in the boat and go with Jesus, or do I do what Jesus is asking me to do? Every single one of us come to this place in life where what we want to do and what Jesus asks us to do eventually comes together. Almost get to a place where we're at an impasse. What I want and what God wants. That's where this guy was. He was at a place where 
He wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus said, no, absolutely, you can't. You got to go home. Jesus' interaction with this guy who was demon-possessed is interesting. Because this guy who had not been able to make decisions on his own because he was demon-possessed, his life was controlled by demons and by the devil. I mean, it's a weird situation. This guy for, for years and years had not been able to make decisions on his own. And now all of a sudden, he's in a place where he can make decisions for himself. He's sitting there in his right mind. And he makes a decision that he wants to do this, but Jesus says, no, do this. Jesus did not go to that place and set that man free so that he could do what he wanted to do. This is really important. Jesus went and set the man free so that he could surrender his life to Jesus. This is a really important aspect of your spiritual life and my spiritual life and our, our journey with Jesus that I, that I think is important and it, 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 it bears us uh, the importance of us sitting and kind of camping out on this for, for just a second. If you've been in here and your life has been transformed by Jesus, you've given your life over to him, gospel tells us that Jesus has not set you free so that you can do what you want. Jesus didn't deliver you from sin, a life of bondage, a life of addiction, a life of whatever, so that you could do what you want. Jesus set you free so you could do what he wants. And that's a totally different thing. So, what we have to realize is every single one of us has to serve somebody, right? We all got to serve somebody. You're either going to serve yourself and what you want, or you're going to serve Jesus and what he wants. And the question is, do you really trust in your own ability, your own intelligence, and your own wisdom enough to be your own master? Is there anybody in the room that wants to take that kind of responsibility on yourself? I can tell you I don't. I don't trust myself enough to be the master of my own life. The truth is, even though I disagree sometimes with the things that God asked me to do, even though I don't understand sometimes the thing that God's asked me to do with my life, I have still come to a place where I trust his ability, his intelligence, and his wisdom enough to be my master, not my own. Now, here's the deal. When you're trying to figure out what to do with your life, what's the next step you should take? What, what job should you do? Uh, how, where, who should you marry? Who should you date? Um, what should you do with your free time? Where should you move? Where should you live? All these different decisions that we have to make in our lives. We have to, we, we don't have to, we should submit those things to Jesus. We should submit those things to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want for this area of my life? What would your will be? I know that I have certain desires. I have certain things I want to do, but what would your will be for my life? Here's what the world tells us. The world tells us when you're trying to make decisions about what to do in your life, do whatever you're passionate about. Have any of you heard this? Find what you're passionate about and do that. Follow your heart. Follow your heart. The book of Matthew chapter 15 I think it's verse 19, tells us that out of the heart comes all kinds of evil. Sexual immorality, adultery, slander, murderous thoughts, all kinds of terrible things come out of our heart. 
So I want to warn you today, when the world says to you, hey, when you're trying to make up your mind about what to do with your life, just follow your heart. I think the Bible tells us, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait a minute. <laughs> don't, don't follow your heart. Your heart's not always trustworthy. Because our hearts, the Bible tells us, are bent toward evil and sin from the very moment of our birth. There's lots of evil things in there. The world will tell us, hey, just, just do whatever you're passionate about. Move to, to the place you're passionate about. Do whatever job you're, you're passionate about. And that sounds like a wonderful thing. Until you look at the, the, the Scripture and you see that in just the New Testament, the word passion is mentioned 27 times. And every single time, it's negative. It speaks to sinful desires, evil desires. So you have to be careful about doing uh, whatever you're passionate about and following your heart. The truth of the matter is, Every single decision of our lives should be submitted to God to say, God, what do you want? My life is not about what I want to do. My life should be about what God wants me to do. And the truth is, and I've got it up here on the screen for you, that when what you want to do is different than what God wants, when you find yourself in that situation where I want to do this and God wants me to do this, I, I feel like my passion is this, but God's word says this, what happens next is very important. Because when my will comes up against God's will, I'm very close to two things. This is very important. If I turn one direction, I'm very close to sin and wickedness and disobedience. But if I go the other direction in that moment, I'm very close to the kingdom of God, very close to obedience. I'm very close to drawing closer to the heart of the Lord and walking according to his will. So when what you want and when what God wants are different, what happens next is extremely important. So what I've come here tonight to talk to you about is this struggle that every single one of us face of who will I let call the shots in my life? Who is in charge of my life? Who gets to make the decisions in my life? Is it me? Is it the culture around me? The world around me? Is it my community of friends? Or is it God and his word? And I want to encourage you to wake up every single day and to say these words. Today, Lord, I say yes to you. Every single morning when I'm spending time with the Lord, my habit is to say, yes, Lord. Lord, today I know that there's going to be times where my will and your will don't align. And in those moments, I say yes to you. Lord, I know that there's going to be times today when you're going to ask me to do something that I don't understand or maybe even something that I don't like. And before you even ask me those things, Lord, today in the early morning hours, I want to preemptively say yes to you. Because I know that my temptation is going to be to say no. I know that my temptation is going to be to, to do what I want and to go my own way. But Lord, that is not what I want for my life. My question for you tonight is this. I have multiple questions. One is, what would happen tonight if God were to identify an area of your life 
where you are living in a way or making decisions in a way or doing something in a way that is out of alignment with what he would want for you. What would happen? What would happen if God would kind of shine a light on that and bring it to the surface for you? What would happen tonight if God were to identify for you an area of your life that does not align with his word and his will? What would you do with that? Would you continue to do what you want? Would you continue to live in in the way that you're living? Or, Or would you change to do what God wants? I want to encourage you tonight because I believe that God is is going to identify some things for us tonight where we're missing the mark of exactly what he wants. And for some of you, before you ever walked in this room, God has already been working in your heart to identify some of those things for you, preparing you for this moment. So that right now, God is saying, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make some tweaks and changes in your life to align with what I want for you. You know that relationship over there that you have? That, that's not working for you, and it's not what I want. I have something better for you. God's been preparing your heart for this so that in this moment you might be sensitive to the Lord and to his Holy Spirit to be able to say, okay, Lord, what would you have me to do with that relationship? Do I need to cut it off? Do I need to change the nature of that relationship? Some of you... God is confronting you tonight about the way that you relax and spend your free time. The things that you do to wind down. The things that you do when you're stressed. You have certain habits in your life. And God is confronting you on those right now. And he has been confronting on you and confronting you and saying, hey, would you do something different with that? Would you, when you're stressed, when you're hurting, when you're in pain, uh, when you're really busy, when you're, when you're kind of freaking out in your mind, you have this certain tendency and this certain habit, but that's not healthy for you. I have something better for you. Are you willing to take that to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, show me what to do in that area of my life. So for some of you, the Lord is going to confront you on some things that you're doing that aren't in alignment with his will. But there, there's another category of people here tonight, I believe, too, and that is there are some of you that God is asking you to do something that is different than what you have expected with your life. You've been feeling some of the same things that I felt a few years ago in my life. Maybe you're very content and very happy where you're at, but you've been feeling God directing your life in a certain way, and you say, I I don't know what to do with this. As a matter of fact, it scares me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go a different direction because I like where I'm at. I'm comfortable where I'm at. God's saying, I've got a different plan for your life. For some of you, it's in, the, it's in maybe a, a relationship or maybe in your occupation. Some of you are trying to figure out what the next step is in your work life, in your job. And God is challenging you, saying, I want to I move you into a certain area. For some of you, God is going to surprise you tonight. He's wanting to surprise you. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to say, Lord, I submit my life to you and I'll do whatever you want, even if it's not what I want? Because is it possible that God might ask you to do something that you don't like, that you don't want, that you're unsure about? Yes, because he knows that what's on the other side of your obedience is better than what you have right now. I want to address one more group of people in here, and it's 
Some of you in this room have never taken the next step toward Jesus. You're just here kind of investigating, just kind of feeling out faith, feeling out this whole church thing, this whole Bible thing, and you don't even know really what to do next. And some of you have never crossed the line of faith. You've never said, I want to put my faith in Jesus because I feel like once I do that, there will be all these other things that Jesus will ask me to do with my life. And I don't want to do those things. I don't want to walk in obedience in those areas. There's an important scripture and I want to put it up here on the screen for you. It's from the book of John, 14, verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Some of you have had trouble coming into relationship with Jesus because you feel like you can't do that until you obey everything that he says. But what Jesus says here is, let's start with love. I just want you to love me first. I want to have a relationship with you first. And once you have a relationship with Jesus, you may find that the whole obedience thing comes easy, comes natural. All of a sudden, you, you want to obey. I want to encourage you, if you've had trouble crossing over that line of faith and taking that next step toward Jesus, Jesus isn't asking you immediately to obey all of these things. He just wants relationship with you. So are you willing to lay down your will to lay down what you want and do what God wants? That's the ultimate question today. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Jesus, you didn't set the demon-possessed man free so that he could do whatever he wants and be enslaved to his own passions and desires. You set him free so that he could be free to live for you and to follow you and to do what you want. And I pray that tonight every single one of us would have the same experience, that we would experience the freedom that you offer and that you provide, not so that we could be enslaved to ourselves and our passions and desires, but so that we could be a slave of Christ, so that we could do what you want. And Lord, when our will and our passion and our desires bump up against yours, I ask that you would give us a humble heart so that in that moment we might lay down our will and desire and make a decision to follow you. Not because it's the most comfortable thing to do, not because it's what we want to do, but because we know we must, because what's on the other side of our obedience is so much better than what we have now. In Jesus' name, amen.